So we come out of a 412 conference that was this week, and it's been from the Tuesday where all the pastors and elders from all around have come together, and it's been such an amazing time. Um, just even like with Lionel and um, Lauren and just what they've experienced. And there's many more stories of just what God has done. And it's so easy, even for myself, to just with the magnitude of what God has done, to actually stand here in front of you and like just shout and just be all like, we're going to do this. And it's like, you, you know, it's like you feel so empowered. You feel so stirred up. But at the same time, as I think about what God has done, I say to the Lord, like, yo, just keep me. Because it feels like when I think about what he has done, it feels like I just want to cry. <laughs> and my heart is so tender just with, with what God has done. Um, and it's, it's such a deep, it's been such a deep work. Um, and I'm really praying that God would um, take what he's done over this conference and that you would accomplish it in us. And I want to I wanna encourage you that if you've not managed to be able to get to the 412 conference, um, I'll let the, one of these days, they said about at the end of October, um, the preachers and things would be up on the website, on the 412 app. And I want to encourage you to take time, set time out to go and let those preachers wash over you and to open up your heart for those things to come into you, because it's really been something of, I believe, that's bringing a shift to us. It's not just Josh Jane, but it's 412. It's shifting us closer to the blueprint that God has called for us to be um, as His church. Last week we had Marnie that preached about effective biblical confrontation, and it was such a good preach. I was going through my notes again through the preach, and I'm going like, yo, there's some of these things that he said that's really like you can preach just on one thing that he said. There was so much meat to it. And this is the thing about when the apostolic comes into us as a congregation or as a church. It sets things in place. It sets, it, 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 it breaks things open. It, it gives us a direction. It does something in us that otherwise cannot happen Unless the apostolic comes into us. I loved what he said. And I just want to, and I'm going to, we're just going to, I want to just want to go through a couple of these things. And this morning, it's not as much a preach that I'm um, going to be doing in a sense. But it's more actually just speaking about what God has been doing and where God is pointing us towards. Because I think it's so imp important for us to not just be... Like, there's a lot of things that just come our way. A lot of word, a lot of things that God is doing. And it's so easy to just go, okay, cool. And we just quickly, quickly let it go through our hearts and not take time on it and allow it to brew in us, allow it to, to really shoot roots into our hearts and to form something new in us. Because there's so much coming that we just end up, you know, okay, cool, next preach, next this, next. Um, and I think it's so important for us as a congregation, as a people, to sit, to let it soak into us, and then go, okay, God, now we're walking it out. Because the th see, the thing is, God's heart for us is to be found faithful. God wants us to be faithful with the word that he's bringing towards us. And it's not just the word that comes on a Sunday. It's the word that's, that comes out on a Wednesday. It's the word that comes out in your personal devotional time. God is wanting those things to accomplish his will inside of our lives. 
but it calls us to be faithful to the things that he's saying. And if we're not taking note, if we're not sitting and weighing up the things that he's saying, and we're just going on, we'll struggle to be found faithful in it. Amen. One of the things that Marnie said, and I loved it, it's the best self-development tool that is available to us is the church. It's working out our place inside church, but it's also working out our salvation in Christ. And that was such a beautiful picture for me. Of like for all of us, we go in this thing of man, seven tools to this, and for, and even this whole conference through, it's been a couple of times the mentioning of we are not this kind of movement, we are not this kind of people that go seven steps to make your life happy and to give you a better life and to give you this. That, that, that's not what we're about. But rather, we find ourselves within the body of God. We find ourselves within the church. And in it, we find our place. We work it out. We work with one another. We, we work this thing out. And it's not always a beautiful thing. It's sometimes a messy thing. It's sometimes a thing that makes you frustrated. It's sometimes a thing that makes you unhappy. But when you find that spot and it just... It fits. Man, it's life-giving. It brings joy in your heart. Thanks, Bobby. See, our ultimate purpose, and this is what Marnie also said, our ultimate purpose is to glorify God. There's nothing else to this life. There's nothing else for you and me, greater for our lives, in our lives, with our lives, than to glorify God. And you need to think about that. Because when you really start thinking about it, it actually offends our hearts. It offends us. In the moment, it sounds like an amazing thing. Obviously, we all want to worship God. We all want to glorify God. But really, if our lives are all about His glory, man, there's some serious repercussions to that. And it challenges us. I mean, I don't think anyone is ever going to, they can say a lot of things about me, but the one thing that people won't be able to say about me is that I'm not passionate. <laughs> whether it's Boerevors, whether it's Druevors, whether it's steak, whether it's, it's a lot of things of eating, eh? uh, <laughs> rugby or church and God and worship, you can see that I'm a passionate person. But even for me as a passionate person, when I hear things like my sole goal is to glorify God on this earth, it's in, in the moment it's something I go, yes, I'm, I've made, I'm made for this. But when I start thinking about it, I start going, whoa, whoa, whoa. What does it actually mean? And I want to encourage us, church, that we work out our place in the church. That we work out our salvation in the church towards God. Because that's a place where we're going to find really our true purpose. Your purpose won't be found outside of that. God's aim for church is to bring his glory to the earth. And if that's the goal, then it means this working together, this rubbing shoulders with one another, getting frustrated, being happy, brying together, whatever it is, whether you support New Zealand or South Africa or you're actually a Liverpool supporter, it doesn't matter. It gets worked out. 
And we all find our place. And through that, God is shown as glorious. Through that, we find our purpose in God. Arnie said this. I'm just, you'll get, you'll get to where I'm going just now. So just don't worry. Money said this, he said, we are not called to be nice. We are called to love. Hey, it sounds beautiful until the next part comes. The failure to speak truth is hatred. Hate works against love. Truth not spoken enough ceases to be truth. And so in our working out this space with one another, we need to come to a place of where we bring a truthfulness towards each other, truthfulness to God, where we show who we really are and allow one another to be confronted by the truth. Amen? We cannot afford to not speak the truth. So this morning, I came in, um, and I had glasses. Jürgen Klopp. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be the most ugliest person. I'm joking. I'm sure he's a beautiful guy. But I want to say to you, and I had so many, so many um, compliments and people just speaking about, hey, love the glasses, love this. But I want to say to you this morning, it's so easy for us to be deceived. This is just a preaching illustration. That feels so good. <laughs> it's just a preaching illustration. There's nothing real about this. I bought it at Markham's for 120 rand. Greatest optometrist ever. <laughs> but the crazy thing about this is when you look around, and some of the young people will be more prone to this, but we all have the same concept in our, in our lives is we tend to, you can buy these things so that it can look like you have glasses. Andrew always speaks about having a bolt, being bolt-on surfers. You know, we're a church that speaks about surf a lot. Highway surfers. Highway surfers, there we go. And a while ago, I spoke to us about the Ford Bucky. You remember that? I know Cole won't forget it. But the <laughs> The Ford Bucky that had the cosmetic um, U-clamp thing. It's so easy for us to look a certain way. Because that's what's coming to us. It says, if you're a Christian, you're going to look like this. If, you, if you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And it's so easy for us to never even for ourselves expose us to the truth. And I want to say to us this morning... But I believe it's time to take off of these things. Sure. It's time to take off these things and actually see clearly for what God has intended for us. Because unless we do it, we'll end up being caught up by things that is just not for us to, to run with. It will keep us back from the purposes and the plans of God. And these things sometimes come in the form of things that look like they are necessary. That look like they are important. And this morning, I really want to, I've just over this time with 412, I've been so um, 
I want to say arrested by God of what really is important. So let's get into it. So sorry if I deceived you this morning for those that gave me compliments. It was for a reason, okay? I'll buy your coffee later and say sorry. And a hug. And we all know this so well. Acts 2 verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. We know this. This is who we are. This is Josh Jane. This is what 412 is all about. And I believe these things are key things for us. It's things that we need to stick to. It's things that we need to examine. It's things where, that we need to look at our lives and examine our lives according to the truth of those things. And see where we are with them. And I'm hoping this morning that that is what we can do. So I want to start with what devoted means. I think everything in life, and I'm not a stranger for saying this, but everything wants our devotion. Everything wants our attention. Everything wants us to know that this thing is the most important thing. Amen? Everything from your PTAs to whatever else. Your work, your Everything wants our attention. And the meaning is this. It comes from a late 16th century word, Latin word, that, that was the devot, meaning consecrated. Consecrated meaning set aside. Or set towards. It's part of it is a verb, devolvere. I'm hoping I'm saying it right. Devolvere. Um which means formally to vow. So there's this consecrated part of it, set apart, but it's to for, there's a formal part of it to vow towards. And the dictionary says this, to give all or most of one's time or resources to a person or an activity. That means devoted. And that's what we get when, when you're young and you're in love, You devote yourself to the person that you love. And nothing is too big. Nothing is too too small. I remember when when, um, Ellen and I started dating, she lived in the, or she worked in the one side of Wellington, and I worked on a very different side of Wellington. And so over lunch, I had an hour lunch, and I really liked this girl. They didn't have a car. So I have in my lunch, if you know what Wellington's heat is about, you'll know the severity of this that I had to go through and how devoted I was. But I would walk for my hour lunch that I have, I would walk 20 minutes, a fast pace like this, you know. (laughs) It's not running, but it's not walking. Either I would walk for 20 minutes to get to the place where she worked so that I can spend time with her for 20 minutes so that I can just, just make it in time back, 20 minutes back to my work and then sit and be completely wet and look like I had a bath with all my clothes on. That's devotion, people. <laughs> but it never was something that I was, that I thought like it was the little that I can do. 
I didn't have a problem with it. And I think that is something of where our hearts are sometimes at. When you see someone that is devoted, you can just see it on them. You can smell it on them. Because they're just busy. And you can see what they are devoted to. I remember when I was wrestling, you have this mat, and then you and this other boy, you would wrestle it out, and around the mat would be parents. And there would always be this tunny, you know. And you, I'm sure you see it on the, on the a rugby field as well. This mom that is really devoted to her son, you know. And she just goes in it, and the whole time this thing is, this match is going all on, all that you can go, 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 go. And you're just like, oh, can you just stop, please? Let me just win this guy quickly so I can just. But you can see she is like, I want my child to win. I want the best for him. I want everything for him. And it doesn't matter who's standing next to her or how big the guy is. So she would like go through everything just to get to that guy, to get there in front and make sure that her son wins. Through her screaming. <laughs> so we know what this devotion looks like. But somehow when it comes to the things of God, our attention actually gets taken to the other things. And when I read this in Acts, and they devoted themselves, they consecrated themselves, they vowed themselves. They gave all of themselves, all of their time, all of their resources to the apostles' teaching. They gave all of themselves. They devoted themselves. They consecrated themselves to the fellowship. To the breaking of bread. To prayer. It's like there was the single focus that nothing else mattered but this. See, the apostles, there wasn't the New Testament. It wasn't what we have today. We, they didn't have to hear, oh, this is the things that happened. No, all that they had was the word of the apostles. The people, the guys, the men that have been with Jesus. That spend time with Jesus, like I'm spending time with Kevin or with Dave. They had time with Jesus in that same way, in the flesh. And they were speaking about the life that they found in him. The testimony of Jesus going up into heaven wasn't just something that was I read in a book and it's been told to me since I was a small boy. And it's like, no, 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 no. They saw it with their eyes. As much as you are seeing me, this was their experience of Jesus. I say when they were teaching, when they were speaking out of it, it's a place from really having seen. But for us, because we've had it all the time, we tend to make it like it's not like that anymore. See, but I want to say to us, God has made it so easy for us to come to know Him. 
He's made it so easy for us to be fully devoted to him. They didn't have the Bible. I can understand if they go, oh, we don't know, we don't, we've never heard of this. But for us, we've got the words right here. We've got it. But yet in our hearts, there's this slowly devotion, hardly devotion. There's lackadaisicalness, this blaseness about the word of God, about the saints coming together, about the breaking of bread. Church, we need to come back to what it, what it is and what it was set out to be. So I want to quickly break down for us the four areas. Areas that we need to give ourselves back to again. And I know we're Josh Jane. <laughs> we are the ones that saying like, man, we believe in these things. These things that if you cut us, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see we are devoted to the apostles teaching. We are devoted to one another. We are devoted to the breaking of bread. We are devoted to prayer. That's who we say we are. But I think we have, for us as a congregation, that we've gone a little bit astray and we hold these things a little bit too easy. I want to quickly read us a scripture. It's not going to go up there. Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 6 says this, and this is again 4.12, we know this. And he gave, the he it's speaking about is Jesus. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teach, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's all of us. It's to equip us for the work of ministry. He gave these people so that we, who are sitting here, who are making up this body, so that we can be equipped. So that we have all the tools. So that we have all the confidence to go out and go, this is who Jesus is. Amen? It's not for us to come back to church and sit quietly. Do our place. Do our thing. No, no, no. It's to be part of this. It's to be part of this and to go out and to speak about what God is doing. Not just in here, but what he's been doing since the beginning of time. It's to equip us, the saints, for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. That's the church. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back and it says he's coming back soon. And just because it's been 2,000 years, close to 2,000 years, that we've been hearing it, doesn't mean that tomorrow is less of a day than what yesterday was. We do not know. And how we take these words, how we take the apostles' teaching, how we devote ourselves to them, and then live out these things, live out the equipping that's happening to us. That's the thing that's going to say whether we have been faithful with the things that God has given us or not. Now, if I know that I've got a couple of chores that Helen has given me, and I don't know what time she's going to be coming back home. I'm not going to sit and wait, nah, probably be an hour or be this. No. Not, 
She's not like this, okay? <laughs> no, I'm going to be getting busy because I don't know when she's coming home. So that when she comes home, I find that she finds me to be faithful. Because in finding me faithful, she experiences love towards her. So if Jesus had to come back right now, which is very much as real as anything else we could be doing an hour from now, I'm not just saying this. Will we be found as faithful? Will we be found as like we've run it with everything that we had? We've been like that lady that gave the two copper coins. We've touched him. We experienced the power. We know that the sin has been forgiven. And now everything is completely devoted to him. Will we be found as faithful? Or are we waiting for another Sunday? Maybe to worship and experience something. Or maybe to hear that word that we think is going to be life-changing. It's for the building up of the body of Christ. Until, and here this is so beautiful, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God is wanting us to mature. It's again that image of saying that there is a coming together, there is a unity that He's building us into. And as we're being built into this unity, that salvation is being worked out. There's that maturing that comes of our faith. And together we get to see more of God. You can try and do it on your own. But I'm going to tell you, you see in part. And when me and Kevin or Wesley and Ryan, when we stand together, just because we're together, we'll see more. One puts a thousand to flight, two puts ten thousand to flight. There's more for us here. For this benefit that we have of being together is not just for the church, it's for you. It's for all of us to be built together to see more of who God is. And this is why it says, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, and this is the reason why. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about about every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes. There is many people out there, many things out there that want to get you away from what God has called us. We all know this. It's like taking our kids and say, it's okay. Go and run around on the highway. Like we all know that's just going to be devastating. And I want to say to us that not one of us are as clever or as strong to be able to say, no, 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 I can make it. We're not. At the conference, again, we spoke about just there's been a whole leer of Christian figures that in the last while have resigned their faith in God. People that wrote books that changed the lives and the destinies of people all around the world that had a massive influence. They're saying, I, I, I can't believe in this anymore. 
worship leaders that have written songs that change the church. Let's lift people towards God. It's such an amazing influence. Way more than me and you have, maybe possibly will ever have. And they, they were seen as those that are strong enough. But even for them, they fall away. If we don't take care, if we don't take, give attention to this, we will fall away. Because there is winds of doctrine that's coming in. And all it's there for is to take you and push you out of the church. It might not start with you being denying God. But if the enemy and if the things can just get you out of that door and going like, ah, church is not for me. I can do this by myself. He doesn't need to do anything else after that point. It will just happen to you. It's like a kid running out on the highway thinking that he's going to be okay. Rather, speaking the truth in love, verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's why we need the apostles. That's why we devote ourselves to what they preach. So when a guy like Marty comes in and speaking about living in the truth and exposing ourselves, taking off the fake glasses... It's something that we can't just hear and go, cool, great message. But it's something that we need to go, how does my life weigh up to this? And if it doesn't, if I'm found not heavy enough to balance it out, I need to realize that these things I need to change. Otherwise, I'll always be found too light. And we know what happens with that. Amen? They were devoted to the fellowship. In Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25, it says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, even in us, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. That day drawing near is Jesus coming back soon. We need to encourage one another. The, the afflictions, the things that we're facing in this world, don't worry, he's coming back. Hold on. Be encouraged. Persevere. Because as you persevere, this character that's formed in you, as that character is formed in you, there's a hope that's built inside of you. And that hope will not disappoint you. If I'm alone, I have no one to encourage me. Over this last while, there's been, um, actually this year, there's been a couple of stories in some of the Christian circles of pastors that committed suicide. It's real. 
And it's hit my heart so much. Because I'm going, where's the people around them? Where's the church? Where's the fellow elders? Where's the people that's around them that should encourage them towards God? That should recognize the things that's going on in their hearts. I want to say to us, church, we cannot do this on our own. The enemy is like a roaring, hungry lion waiting to devour. And the moment that we are alone, the one guy, it was three weeks ago, seven o'clock at night, his wife takes a video on, on social media about him playing with his little boy. And you see all the joy that's in his face. 11 o'clock that night, that man committed suicide. Leaving his young wife, his two young children. It's like, I'm looking at that, I'm going, that's the enemy stealing. We can't do this alone. We need one another. We need to bolt into each other. Because it might not be for you that you want to do that. But I want to say to you that if you are alone, the enemy can come in ever and any which way he wants to. And you have no one to tell you, hey, Wes, that's not God's heart for you. Why, Rian, that's not what God wants for you. You'll just be left to your own devices. And I don't know about you, but for me, I know there's nothing I can do that's really of value outside of God. I don't have what it takes to come up with good ideas that's going to sustain me. See, this fellowship that we have here is for us to see more of God, but it's for us to build each other up in the ways of God. It's for us to mature in God. Amen? I want to ask you a couple of questions. How's your community life doing? And by community life, I'm asking, how's your community that you're in? If you're not in a community, I want to, I want to encourage you strongly get into a community. You need it. If you are feeling like you're too strong for a community, I want to say to you, as much as I love you, but you are prideful. And that pride will kill you. How connected are you to your community? Are you just in the community coming on a Wednesday? Or are you actually going like, hey community, this is what's going on in my life. How connected is your community to you? Do you open up your house? Do you look at who the people are in the community and go, hey, I want to spend time with you. I might not know you very well, but I want to get to know you. Because the thing is, we don't know one another until we get to know one another. Massive. (laughs) The heaven is open upon me. (laughs) What are you adding to a Sunday? You've seen a couple of people come giving words. We don't always release them. There's different reasons for that. But what are you adding to the Sunday? See, the scripture tells us in Hebrews that whenever we come together, each one is a hymn, each one is a psalm, each one is a spiritual song, all for the building up of this. No matter what it is, no matter where you got saved this morning before church, 
or 10, 20 years previously, you've got something to add. And if you're not adding, we are losing out. But you also are losing out. You're losing out on the encouragement of your brothers and your sisters around you. What are you struggling with just in your own life? And who's helping you with it? Or do you feel like, man, I can sort this out on my own? My father was an alcoholic for most of my child life. And there came a day where he had to go, I actually need someone to walk with me in order to overcome this. And he joined a group of men that walked with him. Side by side, the one guy, um, he actually went to work with my dad. That's what church should be like. But yet some of us are sitting here and we just... <laughs> looking good. It's looking good. I'm looking fancy. All transparent. And when I get home, there's this heaviness that's lying on my heart. And I just feel like nobody knows me. Nobody can see me for who I am. It's because you're putting up that mask. You're not being devoted to the fellowship of the brothers. I need to finish up. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And this is so beautiful. See, the breaking of bread is not just coming and eating. It's not just having fellowship together. It's not just bringing a bring and share. No, no, the breaking of bread is remembering what Jesus has done for us. Reminding ourselves that there's nothing that we have, nothing that we can do, nothing that we've ever accomplished that can get us closer to God. It's only Jesus, His body that was broken, and His blood that was shed on that day. That's the thing that makes us one. That's the thing that gives us the purpose. That's the thing that draws us closer to God. And that's something that we need to continuously remind one another about. Because it's so easy for the devil to come and bring us in be- something in between us. Bring something in between me and Kevin. Maybe a team like Liverpool. <laughs> but then I've got to remind him, Kevin, remember Jesus is more important. Yeah. <laughs> we can be united. I didn't say Man United. I said United. We can never walk alone again. I'm joking, but it's actually serious. See, when we realize that I am with nothing without Jesus, then I struggle to point something to my brother and look at myself as higher. No, 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 it it immediately brings me to a place of lower. And I can look at my brother and say, yeah, let's remember this. 
Let's remember that Jesus saved both of us. And whatever this thing is in between us, we can overcome it because the one that is within us is greater than that which is in the world. One Corinthians eleven, verse twenty-three to twenty-six says this: For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. It's like he's died for sure. For real. He stood up out of the grave. He went up into heaven. It's not a joke. It's not a fable. It's not a fiction story. It's not Star Wars. It's not the Marvel Universe. It's real. And as he's gone there, he is coming back. And until that day, we will proclaim his death. We'll proclaim his rising and we'll proclaim his coming back. Because he's the one that beat death. He's the one that broke the sting of death off. That's why we break bread. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13. For just as the body is one and as many and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many or one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we all were baptized into the body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It's again, just as Marnie said, it's like as we part of the body, finding our place here, we work out our salvation that we found in Christ. And if we can't find that place, see, in breaking bread, we know what happens when you break bread together, but there's actually something in your heart against your brother. And that something is not just saying that, cool, you know what? I like Martin, or I can stand Martin, but I don't like him. No, no, no. That's not the heart that is sorted out. No, it's actually, Martin, whatever is mine is yours. Because that's what Jesus came and did for us. And so when we break bread together and say that we are one, we're saying that everything that is mine is yours. In Josh 10, we love to say what's in my fridge is yours. And what's in your fridge is mine. Until you touch my temptams. Not in the fridge. <laughs> but that's how we go. We were together in this until you touch something and I really find dear. Then whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus didn't do that. So when we break our bread, when we devote ourselves to that, now I want to encourage you that if there's anyone in this congregation that has a problem with anyone else, I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you in front of God and say, go and sort that 
thing out immediately. And after you've sorted it out, break bread. But you need to understand, if you're not willing to break bread with that person, that there's something inside of your heart, and unless that thing gets dealt with, it will cause all the different roots of bitterness, and it will come, and it will be a downfall to you. Just going to leave it there. And lastly, they devoted themselves to the prayers. If then, Colossians 3 verse 1 to 2, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. That's why we pray. That's why we pray. He's made us part of Him. We get to find life in Him. And in that place, He directs our hearts. He directs our lives. See, serving God is not something that is dead. There's a living relationship to this. And if we think, man, let me just pray enough just so that I can say, I've done my this or I've done that. I want to say to you, you're missing out. You're missing out on the thing that is, that is given for you to experience life and life in abundance. On my phone, I've got that scripture on my in, in, in Exodus, of where the Lord spoke, and he gave all the plans for the Ark of the Covenant and the temple. And that always just, it stirs my heart, and I'm going like, when I read scriptures like 2 Thessalonians, may the Lord direct your hearts to, love, to, the, to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. I go, sure, God, there's so much of you. So much of your leading that I need and I want and I desire. And I want to encourage you that you devote yourself. The place we find direction of the Lord is in His presence. In prayer with Him. Both in our individual place. So meaning our secret space at home. But even more so in our times that we've come together. Again, one puts a thousand to flight. Two puts 10,000 to flight. When we come together and we pray, it's not just something that we do because we're Christians. But there's more of God available for us. When I get to be with Kevin, Dave, and the rest of the elders, and we get to sit together on a Friday morning and we pray, man, we're experiencing so much of God's presence. So much more than just me alone in my room being able to experience. So when you're missing out on these prayer times, I want to say to you, church, you're missing out on God. It's not just a, a, a plan to get, you, to get you to us, but it's the truth. And so in this, you know, just read, us, read it again. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We've heard that. The fellowship, we know what that is. To the breaking of the bread, we know what that means. And the prayers, we know what we find in that place. 
Here's what happens. Verse 43. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together in all things. And had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and their belongings. And distributing the proceeds to all and any as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with a glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who being saved. God, I want that. I want that. Church, do you want that? Or is this okay? This looks good. But we know it's not. Or do we really want to see one another for who we are and for what God has done in us and for what God wants to do through us?